we'd like to welcome you to our emergency freedom alerts for October 10th, 2022. Uh, go ahead and open us up today, rotating our warfare prayers. This is the prayer to neutralize occult rituals. Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, seated at the right hand of the Father, we come in the authority given to us in Christ Jesus. We place a hedge of warring angels with flaming swords of fire around us and our families continuously. We put on the whole armor of God. We resist and renounce Satan, the God of this earth. We rise to war by the power of the Holy Spirit against witchcraft, occult maneuvers, and devices sent against your will in the body of Christ. We ask you to dispatch legions of warring angels in full battle array to enforce our petitions and intercessory prayers. Rout your enemies on all fronts, O Lord. Turn their anger, hatred, accusations, conflict, arrogance, and wicked schemes upon themselves so that they become caught in their own snares and fall into the pits that they have intended for others. We nullify, cancel, and oppose every satanic operation, scheme, maneuver, and strategy. Cause secret plans, agendas, and motivations of the enemy to be revealed for everyone to see. We decree and declare that what these people and evil entities meant for evil, you will turn it around and use it for the good of your people. We close every evil portal that has been opened by them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood, we break and cancel every curse, spell, hex, vex, charm, enchantment, decree spoken or unspoken, sent against the body of Christ, the innocent and your intercessors, by every witch, warlock, satanist, sorcerer, voodoo, priest, shaman, soothsayer, medium, coven, and every minion of the devil working iniquity. May they fall into the very pits that they have dug for others. Lord Jesus, reveal your love to them. Save those that can be saved. Show them the truth about who they're serving and their eternal destination if they continue in their present path. Open their minds and ears to receive the supernatural insight and knowledge to understand the truth of the gospel. Bring them to salvation. We seal this prayer by the blood of the Lamb. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, so getting right into it today. Uh, this... Uh, I think this broke this week, and it's I entitled this, Donald Trump shares post proclaiming him second only to Jesus Christ. Maybe Trump will go down in history as did Narcissus in Greek mythology, taking glory due only to God causes one's days to be shortened upon the earth. Well, he finally mentioned the name of Jesus, but not in a confession of faith, but in a confession of pride and arrogance, plus a Bible study on Pride versus humility. I don't know, that's kind of a long... I like to cover a lot of stuff in my titles so that if a listener looks at the um, table of contents for the PDF or for the given audio, they can kind of get a really good idea right up front what I'm going to be covering. So sometimes my, my titles are pretty long, um, but that's why. So... This starts out by saying, well, we have seen the arrogance and pride of Donald Trump on display in the past, and now we're seeing it again. In fact, his arrogance is so incredible that it's downright blasphemous. This week, Trump shared a photo on a social media platform, Truth Social, in which he proclaimed he was second only to Jesus. And I'm surprised he didn't put himself first. I mean, I'm sure in his heart he's first, but he had he couldn't, knowing his base is primarily conservatives in republicans and in you know obviously right-leaning christians he couldn't go that far but if he could get away with it and i would say behind closed doors if, if you pulled him aside he would he would definitely uh go there there's not a whole lot he would do that would surprise me uh so 
it goes on to say the image was the artist rendition of a very effeminate Christ. And I'm sure it is completely idolatrous. Idolatrous, as the second commandment says, that we are not to make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water underneath, according to Exodus 24, in that the Godhead is not like unto graven art. In these types of things, the Bible says that in the New Testament. I just covered this in a recent teaching. We did this. We're not, this is why making images of Christ in these types of things is, is, very, very unbiblical. And the whole image of the Adonis-looking Jesus that we see on in people's houses and on church walls and these types of things is very, very risky. And that, that one thing there by itself is going to deceive so... If it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. The Bible talks about Jesus talked about that in Matthew 24 regarding the end times. And I know it was false prophets and these types of things. But the Antichrist and false prophet are going to be a, a level beyond that as far as deception goes. And lying signs and wonders and miracles and how they're going to deceive the whole earth. And when the ascended masters come back, one of the ascended masters is called Master Jesus. Also known as Esau Sananda Emmanuel, which is pretty much the same Jesus that we see pictured in those pictures. Our, our our perception of what Jesus would be. Uh, that one aspect is going to be enough to deceive, I believe, untold numbers of people that identify themselves as Christians. And I've done many studies on this. Just key in Master Jesus in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. It's just going to be one of the many, many deceptions that are coming targeted at Christians. And this is why we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. The Bible commands, lest he get an advantage of us. And that we can be destroyed for lack of knowledge, according to Hosea 4, 6, and these types of things. And this is why we're, we're you know, to be understander like the men of Issachar they understood the times that they were living in and it rendered and it gave them wisdom it doesn't mean that we immerse ourselves in every gory aspect of end time events and these types of things but um well as I've said before and this is in my, my header uh to every pdf that I put out uh, of Ephesians 5, 11, 13, and 16, and have no fellowship with the, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So reprove, according to the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, which defines the words more in the, in the way that they were actually uh, penned um, in, the, in the King James, that word reprove from the Noah Webster 1828 means to blame or convince a fault or to make it manifest. To, to basically shed light on it. So we're to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness, which means to blame, convince a fault, or make it manifest, to excite a sense of guilt as well. And then, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Uh, no, I'm sorry, but all things that are approved are made manifest by the light. See, darkness hates light. And then it goes on to say, Wherefore he saith, 
Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. That word in the 1828 no Webster means cautiously. With watchfulness in every way. With attention to guard against surprise or danger. And this would be more applicable way more even now than it was when in 1828 when the Noah Webster came out or, or 1611 when the first King James or 1769 which was the first uh, which was the revision that we have if you have a King James Bible you have a 1769 revision either Ox Oxford or Cambridge the, those are the King James Bibles that are available today you, you'd have a very very hard time reading a, a 1611 King James in Old English unless you're familiar with that um, vernacular type of thing. So, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Uh, see that ye then walk circumspectly. Okay, again, meaning cautiously, watchfulness in every way, attention to guard. I mean, you, you read about the end times, and you can understand why that would really be important. But it's not something that most 501c3 churches would emphasize, unfortunately. It's not something that they're really, they're seeker friendly. They're wanting to tickle your ears. They're wanting to get rich. They're wanting to not offend. They're wanting to, you know, be man pleasers. They're wanting to be highly esteemed among men. That The Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men, Jesus Christ said, is an abomination in the sight of God. Uh, unfortunately, that's the norm. I'm not saying it's every single 501c3 pastor, but unfortunately, for the most part, yes, it is the norm. They're on, they're yoked up with the government, and that is the same, ultimately the same religion that is on the track, the one-way train track to the one-world religion under Antichrist and false prophet. The whole corporate 501c3 structure. Not a place you want to be. So see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but is wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So again, Matthew 24, 24, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Second Corinthians 2, 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Um, we could go on and on. Anyway, so going forward here, um, uh, According to Business Insider, former President Donald Trump shared a post on his True Social account on Friday, declaring him as second only to Jesus. And um, he said on True Social, Jesus is the greatest. Um, president at real Donald Trump is the second greatest. <laughs> And if you take that in light of all the things that I have covered regarding this devil in the past, I don't know, four years, I'd say, four years, when I really started to zero in on him. Now, if we were to have gone back even 10 years ago, Christians wouldn't be debating me. Everybody knew Trump was a devil. You know what I mean? Everybody knew Everybody knew he was a lecherous, womanizing, greedy, lying devil. It wasn't a point of debate. 
But now all of a sudden the, the Christians know better and, and the church knows better and the prophets know better. Like the, the TBN prophets and, and the ones on Sid Roth and those that, that promoted him and said he was a man of God and God's anointed. And then there was that fireman guy that, you know, the Mark guy, the fireman that he was God's anointed. And then he was going to get in for a second term. All the, all the false prophets out there saying he's going to get in for a second term. We know it. We, we're, he's a man of God. He's, and he didn't get in. And they're all prophecies were all wrong. And according to Deuteronomy 18, you, you take that prophet out, at least if it was the Old Testament, you take him, take him out and you kill him. They had to get it right 100% of the time, all the time. It was a very high bar in the Old Testament. And then you go to, I believe, De Deuteronomy 13. And, and even if he gets it right, but he leads you away from God, like a fortune teller would. Oh, they got the prophecy right. They, they, they read my mail pretty good. Because they're communicating with my demons that are communicating with them and they know my past. Or maybe they have some insight into the future, demonically. I'm not saying there's not no, any benefit to witchcraft. If there was none, people wouldn't be doing it in mass. Obviously there is. And it's very good at deceiving people. But even if you got it right in the Old Testament, but that prophecy or that prophet led you away from God into something wrong, or then kill them too. Now, I'm not saying we're supposed to do that now. But because there's no real punishment, these false prophets just spew out their lies and they go on to their next false prophecy or they spew out their next book that doesn't come to pass. And then they go out and they, everybody forgets. And like a dog, they're returning to his own vomit. Like the, the Bible's very clear on that. They go right back. That is what I saw over and over and over from my time in Charismania. And I went the full bore on that one. I went all in, man. If I do something, I'm going to go all in. And I went the whole way. I went the nutty, crazy, charismatic <laughs> all the way. I admit it. I'm not proud of it, but I'm saying I did it. So it's not like I am not speaking from a place of experience. <laughs> just keying, I mean, just keying charismatic or I did a good one called My Trip Down Charismania Lane or the time that God used um, a listener of mine and, and my listeners who were praying um, to shut down uh, really once and for all that Todd, uh, they called him Odd Todd, um, uh, Todd Bentley, that, that psychopath, how we went to Lakeland and prayed against him. Um, I have been on both sides of the whole charismatic issue and, and I know how seductive it is and I know how, uh, but I saw it over and over. I saw it over and over in the churches. I was at people coming, Oh, you're going to be do this. And, and they give me some specific prophet and prophecy about myself and didn't come to pass or I would act on it. Realize they didn't tell me they were not hearing from God. Just went on and it's just, it's endemic. And it's just like, well, I, I forget, but wouldn't you label that person as a false prophet then? No, no, no. They're still godly. They got it wrong. They, they just weren't quite, maybe it was you. It was the norm, I'm telling you, to get false words. from, And it just goes right up the line, you know, TBN and, and Sid Roth and all the prophets those guys have on. And they're all filthy lucre based, meaning they're all about the money. just the norm so you expect if they're used to being deceived like that 
and that's just the norm in charismatic circles in particular. And I'm not saying it's not, um, it's just, it's, it's more so there from what I've seen, because you, you're not going to run into that dynamic in a, in a Baptist church. Now, granted, I've got <laughs> my time in the most hardcore, hardcore fundamental, independent fundamental, King James only Baptist sex. I've put my time in there. That is the polar opposite of charismania. And there's massive problems there too that I firsthand witnessed. It's not like I didn't give her the old college try in all this stuff. I went to a brought up in new age rock and roll. Parents were secular as you could be. Lutheran middle school, Catholic high school. I went to Protestant Presbyterian churches with my grandparents growing up. I've been to Methodist churches. I um, and then I got into Pentecostal, charismatic, got let me to the Lord was Pentecostal, charismatic, and then went into most hardcore sex of charismatic, then to just more like normal sex of Baptist. I'm sorry, no, most hardcore sex of Baptist. Um, independent fundamental, King James only. And I'm not saying there wasn't good in all of those either. I'm not saying it was all bad. It's just there was so much um, leaven that I saw. And if I tried to point it out, I was a bad guy. I was not. And I tried to do it in both in the most respectful ways I could. And they don't want to hear it. They just don't. And it's like you, you could put Bible right in front of them and, and they're going to have some justification that they got brainwashed from seminary, the cemeteries about. It's like you can't reason with them because their minds made up. Don't confuse them with the facts. This is why I'm glad I never went through seminary type thing you know because i mean uh, and they're and they're typically the ones that are telling you yoga with the government too i mean i've got right now um i've got two different files on trump i got i believe about 100 pages of documentation exposing him I mean, it's straight from him, straight, he said it on Fox 13, I would recommend it, meaning it's a great vaccine, this COVID kill shot. I would recommend it. I would recommend it to a lot of people that don't want to get it. He talks like a, uh, talks to his people or in, like a kin, like you're in kindergarten. Um, I would recommend it and I would recommend it to a lot of people that don't want to get it. Good. Well, that's great advice. And a lot of those people voted for me, frankly. It's a great vaccine. It's a great vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's a great um, depopulation tool. Trump's attorney for so True Social is a notorious embedded New York, London-based globalist shill with interlocking life, science, uh, life sciences and banking relationships with Vanguard, BlackRock, Rothschild, Biotech, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, uh, Motorola. I mean, all these things. He's in bed with Satan. BlackRock and Vanguard. Trump and the GOP have become vax salesmen, rhino recruiters. Trump, Donald Trump and the GOP have become the biggest shills for pharma, uh, big pharma and the world has ever seen. The same crew is now turning its back on America first, propping up the weak rhino candidates with lousy endorsements. I mean, I, it's just unbelievable to me at this point how if you call yourself a Christian, you couldn't see through this guy. And I don't mean to like be mean. I'm just saying that's just I don't get it. 
these are all reports I have covered previously. This is in my this is in my 35 page doc on the other stuff is all the sex stuff he's done with children and other women and, and all the actual court documents or a lot of them. Yeah, got a nice doc on that too. So I kept them separate. I kept more of all of his sexual deviancy stuff in the one file, which is actually the bigger file. And then I got I kept all like how he's trying to destroy this country in this particular file. Because that way I can keep them separate. There, there's so much stuff. I, he's the only guy that I've got two. Well, he's the only one I had to really separate it for of, of all the people that I'm exposing. I, I think I've, I've got quite a few on a couple others, but him in particular, it's just, it's overwhelming. Um, Crimson Contagion, proof that Trump and the American government knew and planned for the pandemic months and about really years. Trump oversaw a scripted pandemic scenario in 2019 along with executive orders he signed soon after getting vaccines produced. All this he knew was coming and he was going to benefit financially off it. Trump says the COVID vaccine should be called the Trump scene. Remember that? Remember when Trump spoke at the World Economic Forum with his good friend Klaus Schwab? I, I played that video not too long ago. The, the author of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, of the Great Reset, that's going to seek to destroy us all. His good friend. You know? Trump undoes executive order to drain the swamp hours before leaving office. Oh, imagine that. So, <laughs> Epstein connected to Gates' divorce documents show epstein and trump raped a woman yeah absolutely they raped many women together many i've got into that i've, I've covered it all um I, I could go on and on this is 35 pages of this just mostly just headlines yeah from trump's rally just yesterday just in quote he said take the vaccine from his rally i did it it is good <laughs> he's so eloquent He's such a wordsmith. You know, this guy has, he's in his vernacular quiver. It's just unbelievable. The mastery he has over the English language. Anyway, um, he shouted that about the COVID kill shot. <laughs> Here's why Trump does not like the COVID Pfizer booster shot. Because his financial interests lie with Johnson & Johnson. He does not like losing money. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Johnson & Johnson Aaron Trump fundraiser, uh, who Trump personally appointed as, as an ambassador, killed more Americans than in World War II. And that's an ongoing death if it's having to do with the COVID kill shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a fun guy. How Don the Con fleeced how Don the Con Trump fleeced his own supporters out of hundreds of millions and is laughing all the way to the bank and keeps doing it. Here's the whole, I got into this, I played this whole thing on, on what he did to get money from people when, um, I need, this is right from him. I'm looking at tweets he put out right before he lost, he lost, remember all the prophets said that all the false prophets said he was going to get in for a second term. Trump, I, President Trump says, I need you to defend America. We can't let the Dems undermine our election. It's all right, left paradigm. All this stuff is predetermined. This is why, guys, you're not seeing me cover a whole lot about this war, this Ukraine, Russia. Oh, it's everybody's putting, oh, any second we're going to, maybe we will. Maybe we will go into a nuclear conflict. I mean, World War III is going to have to happen. But when you have Putin, who is a, a member of the, of the young, um, who was a member of the young 
WEF crew that is under Klaus Schwab, we just talked about with Trump. And you also have Biden being yoked up with that. And then you also have all these other world leaders like Zelensky. Well, Zelensky is fighting Putin. How can they be on the... Well, yeah, they are on the same team. It's all scripted is what I'm telling you. All these attacks, it's just to get our, our energies focused in on that. Wringing our hands about how we're going to be nuked any second. Maybe, maybe they will launch nukes. I don't see a lot of Bible, though, for nuclear worldwide elimination of the majority of the population prior to the tribulation beginning, because that would actually outstrip anything mentioned in the tribulation. As far as cataclysmic disasters go, as far as death rate of humans go, I mean, it's really bad in the tribulation. You look at Revelation, you look at Daniel, other places in Old and New Testament, yeah, it's going to get bad, really bad. Well, obviously, the, the second half of the seven-year trib, yeah, it's going to get really, really bad. I have a hard time believing that, you know, the majority of the world is going to die prior to that. If that were the case, I think it would be mentioned in the Bible. If they're going to mention all the other stuff, in the like the trumpet and the seal judgments and all the other stuff where all these people are dying and they're not going to mention in the bible something that's going to far kill more people i have a hard time believing that biblically i'm not saying it's not going to get bad i'm not saying world war three is not going to be bad because i do believe that's going to bring us into the tribulation and i do believe that is exactly what the um new world order boys have been saying for a long long time for for many decades that that's how it's going to have to happen from their own writings. World War III is going to get us, I mean, going all the way back into the 1800s. World War III is what, and this is before World War I or World War II started. They were predicting World War III, that that would get us there. So, I'm not going to say it's bad, but, you know, all this is, is right-left paradigm. It's, it's problem-reaction-solution. It's, you know, Hegelian dialectic. It is order out of chaos. The 33rd degree model of the Freemason. Ordo, Ordo Ab Cow. President Trump. I need you to defend America. We can't let the Dems undermine our election. I've activated a thousand percent impact for one hour. Claim now. So I guess if you you give your money to this devil, if, if you don't, the Dems are going to steal the election. They did steal the election. I don't believe Biden won. Okay, come on. Uh, but he's got a link there. Claim it now. And then he does another one. Five minutes later, we are demanding a recount of Wisconsin immediately. President Trump is calling you to give us back. What, what happened to all the recounts and all that? Uh, I don't know. Nothing ever seems to come of any of it. Nothing ever seems to come of these attorneys that are that are going after the whole COVID thing either, I've noticed. Do you see the thing with Reinhardt Filmer? How they, they, they're saying that he stole all this money? I'm going to probably try to cover that in another teaching, but it's like, whoa. Now, I haven't looked at both sides of the story yet, but I mean, that looks like a total mess. Thought he was going to be the, the, the salvation of the COVID thing. Huh. And it's funny because so many of these, these doctors, and I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not, but they're, they're on that whole, yoked up with the whole new age thing. That whole thing I've been warning about with the Dr. Truther Network on the COVID thing. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not saying they're all even aware. It's just, be careful who you yoke up with. I learned that a long time ago. 
in ministry a long time ago. And they, so they, here's here's another. Please give another thousand percent impact. And then three hours later, President Trump, I need you to defend America. We can't let the Dems undermine our election again. In thousand percent impact. Here's your link. It's unbelievable. There's another one. I covered this in a previous teaching. In the 2020 election, I would get like a dozen texts from Trump campaign asking for money. It's it's a it became a running joke on the website. The text didn't stop coming until after the Stop the Steal rally in January. My personal favorite was the time that Trump campaign texted me with the offer to join the Diamond Club to stop Antifa, which is DOJ allowed to spiral out of control. And they're just sucking the resources of of the of the people of the you know of the conservatives drive, which is a gigantic goal for the new world order most republicans would still also vote for him in 2024 they're mostly good people with the right sentiments but they are being preyed upon by grifters 100 percent. and i could go on and on and on there's reports after report 35 pages just in this one doc alone i'm looking at just it's real easy to forget this stuff he makes it he makes a speech oh he sounds pretty good and you just forget about all the other stuff I'm not saying my listeners, I'm saying a lot of people, they get wind of this stuff. They'll, they ignore it and they just don't want to admit it. Well, anyway, going back to this, I know I'm reading super long-winded here, but um, uh, so he says he's second only to Jesus. Okay. He retreated this, he retruthed this or reposted the Jesus comparison to his 4.1 million truth social followers truth social should be lies social this isn't the first time trump has used social media to blaspheme god though here trump's looking to heaven and proclaiming he is the chosen one here's i i don't want to play the whole clip it's about three minutes long uh but i give you the link the youtube link uh and then earlier trump had retreated that he retweeted that he was the king of israel and like the second coming of god quote I mean, this guy is something else. Here's the link to that. Trump retreats. He is the king of Israel, second coming, once third, once a third term. Many have put him on a pedestal claiming that he is the only one that can save us. What blasphemy. I mean, and it's true. A lot of people, literally, if they didn't have Trump, I think they would give up all hope. See, the New World Order boys got to give you something to hold on to. If you're buying into their lies, they've got to give you something. If, if that's where your faith is in a man, well, they'll give it to you. Satan will meet you at your need. But the Bible says, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. When you put your trust in a man, you are bringing a curse on yourself, according to God. Because it's like a slap in God's face. And you will, your heart will depart from the Lord. And I hate to say this, most of the people that have put in their, their faith and their, their hope and their trust in Trump, they blindly, it doesn't matter what he does, like you could show them this stuff all day long and they'll just dismiss it. Well, that just shows me their hearts departed from the Lord. Because they're not concerned with the truth. They don't care about the truth. They're believing a lie and they like the lie. And that is a very, very bad place to be because then we get into, well... The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I believe 1 Timothy 4.1. Well, that's not where you want to be. You don't want to have your conscience seared with a hot iron and, and giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils because, see, there's devils and demons behind these lies. It's not just a lie with nothing behind it. There's devils and demons seducing you. And if you invite them in, well, then, you know, are they dwelling in you? Dare I say yes. Or there's a real good chance they are. So then it becomes, I mean, this is a spiritual battle. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's, I mean, Trump is, operates at a level of self-conceited, self-centered pride on a level I've rarely seen. And a haughty spirit. Unbelievable. Um, Jesus said in Luke 16, 15, and he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So all this stuff about Trump and, and how Christians and conservatives and the right have put him on this pedestal, That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And they justify themselves before men. But God knows our hearts. 1 Timothy 3.1, and, and I'm, I'm kind of veering off, but I'm getting back to the same point here. Because when I, when I, um, what happens with me in particular is that when Jesus said, it's better that I go, and I'm paraphrasing, because when I go, the Comforter will come, the Holy Spirit will come, capital C, and he will cause these things that I've taught you to be brought into your remembrance. And I believe that's a big way we retain scripture. We we can draw upon scripture. Um, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe it's very important to memorize the King James scripture. Okay. Um, and when I, when I do these things, Verses will start flooding into my head and I'll just go up on Blue Letter Bible and just start doing keyword searches and then I'll find them and then I post them into the study. That's how it, that's how it goes basically every single time I put a PDF together. It's customized for that particular study. Sometime I've already covered this. The, 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 I've usually covered all these subjects multiple times and I've already got the Bible verses, but I'll have other ones come in. And this is one that kind of came in um, and it's, it's describing the, the office of a bishop, which would be like a pastor. Okay, a modern day pastor. First Timothy 3, 1 through 6 says, This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire the good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now, how many bishops would be disqualified from that verse the husband of one wife oh you can get as many divorces as you want and still be a preacher in most denominations i'm just saying i now understand that you get the whole thing with divorce and stuff now i always refer everyone when it comes to divorce or marriage remarriage and divorce i always refer 
to Dr. Branson's two-part volume, Roy Branson, two-part volume on it, one of the first volume is called If Thou Hath Married, Thou Hast Not Sinned, is I think the second one. And the first one covers what to look for biblically in a marriage. It's the most, I believe, the most biblically correct books on marriage, biblical marriage, divorce, and remarriage that is out there. And it, there's stuff in those books that are so clear in the Bible, but you never hear it preached in, in most denominations. Um, he's actually been on my email list for a lot of years. Wonderful man. And so just key that in. Uh, Dr. Roy Branson, I believe is... Let me just try it real quick. Okay. The the website, and I think this is new, Divorced Christians Unchained. So Divorced Christians... And this is a not, not some fluff book about, oh, you can marry for... It, it's just... All I'm saying is there's tons of King James scripture he uses in there. Um, I just did a keyword search for Dr. Roy Branson and divorce. And this is one website I found. Divorced Christians with an S, unchained, all one word, dot com. Um, he's, got, he's got really good other good books too. But um, I would buy both, both volumes. I don't get in because... Listen, all I claim to be is a watchman. I'm not I'm not up here. I'm not anybody's pastor. I'm not leading a congregation. I'm not trying to build a big following or anything like that. As God's my witness, I'm not. I'm just trying to help people. I'm trying to do unto others as, as I would have want done unto myself, essentially. You know, the, the golden rule of the Bible, essentially. And um, uh, let's see here. I just want to make sure it's... I just, I'm looking to see what one you would want to order. Yeah, it's called it's it's at the bottom and it's called a bill of divorcement. Now it's not it, it, it's a two volume set. They're hardback. They're really nice hardback, pretty little books. And the first one says, "But if thou marry," and then the second one says, "Thou is not sin." Now it's twenty dollars, and if you order it, you get both volumes. And you can say, "Well, but I only want the first one. I'm not. I didn't have a divorce." Yeah, but trust me, you. It's good to have, even if you you never know, you might want to give the other one away or let somebody else read it. Because I haven't seen anything quite like this. Both books are a total of 477 pages, I think, if you split the two. That's only 20 bucks. And he's got all kind of other um, awesome things in there. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess you can get it on Amazon, but I would... I would um, I would want you to order it off divorcedchristiansunchained.com anyway because it's I, it's better not to go through Amazon because they're so wicked anyway uh, anyway the husband of one wife vigilant sober of good behavior given hospitality apt to teach not given to wine no striker not greedy of filthy lucre which is greedy of money which is so incredibly common you know but patient not not a brawler, not covetous. And again, so many of these things, if they were applied to modern day pastors, would disqualify them, is all I'm saying. Uh, one that ruleth his own house well, that's a one that would disqualify. I can't tell you how many pastors I've known. Their family was an absolute 
worse mess than almost anybody in the congregation. I mean to the extreme. I'm not being Mr. Sanctimonious Holder and now judgy, judgy, looking down on my nose at them. I'm just telling you the truth, guys. I mean, I, oh man, that one there. But again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have false prophets everywhere and none of these parameters apply to pastors. And well, you, you wonder, it's, it's why the church is such a mess and why I can't in any good confidence tell people where to go. Because I don't want to, I don't want to give them bad advice. I don't, I don't know. Praying fast is the best thing I can tell you. Um, one that ruled with his own house while having his children in subjection with all gravity. Again, not something that occurs very much. Um, then for if a man knoweth not how to rule his own house, I mean his own family, how shall he take care of the church of God, which has could have you know dozens or hundreds of families he doesn't even know how to rule his own house and this is the verse that came into my mind but i wanted to preface it by saying i didn't want just to say this verse out of context not a novice which is so common as well less being lifted up with pride because remember we're talking about pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil so the devil, where, where does it talk about that? Where, where, how can the devil condemn us? Well, if you go to Revelation 12, verses 7 through 10, I'll tell you. And there was a war in heaven. Now, this is after we've passed the three and a half year mark of the tribulation. Okay, things are really getting in, starting to get bad, going into the great tribulation. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. Um, and prevailed not. So the dragon, okay, Satan and his angels, his fallen angels, they didn't win. There was a war in heaven. Okay. Neither was there any place found anymore in heaven. Well, when did he have access to heaven? We go back to the book of Job. I mean, here, I'll just read it real quick. Now, I don't I don't understand everything. It, like, why would why would God offer access to this? I don't know, but you know what? This is not my um, thing to judge and decide. He's God, okay? So I, I'm not a, I'm not understanding of every single thing in the Bible. I admit it. Let's just go to Job, though, and I'll show you where I mean um, where it talks about this. And, and this is this is about Job, and um, Job one six. And now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before God. Those are good angels. Okay, now, again, the term sons of God, if we compare scripture with scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, which is how the Bible says for us to examine the scriptures, not take things out of context, that term, sons of God, I think is used ugh, five or six times in the Old Testament. I understand sons of God means basically New Testament saved believers in the New Testament which is, you know, Greek and Aramaic underlined. In the Old Testament from Hebrew, sons of God always, always, always means God's good angels. Now, in the book of Genesis, where it says the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they took them wives all that they chose, and the wives ended up burying them, these giants, these abominations called Nephilim, which is the underlying Hebrew word there. 
meaning fallen ones, they were good up until the point when they took the daughters of men, up until the time that they fell. Okay. They made that choice and then they weren't the sons of God anymore. They were fallen angels. This exact term occurs here in Job 1.6 and other places in Job. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before God and Satan came also among them. So he was among these good angels. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Well, here's Satan in, in heaven presenting himself before God. It's right there. And Satan said unto them, Whence cometh thou? And then Satan answered the Lord. Uh, and the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? And then Satan said unto the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth. It's interesting. It's to and fro in the earth. Well, there's, you know, you've got hell in the earth. I believe you've got other underground civilizations in the earth uh those fall brothers did a really good on the on the uh, very biblical study on inner earth that's not something i've discussed a whole lot but i do believe you know and from walking up and down in it a lot of stuff going on under our feet that we're not aware of is all i'm saying and not just hell there's other stuff going on and the lord said unto satan hast thou considered my servant job and there's none like him in the earth a perfect and upright man one that feareth god and eschewed evil so that word sons of God, let me just see here. I'm just doing a quick keyword search. Blueletterbible.org blue is where I just go to get all this stuff because it's just right there. Um, yeah, so you got the sons of God, that term exactly used in Genesis 6 to the sons of God saw their daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives, all that they chose. And then again in verse 4. They were giants on the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, came in unto the daughters of men. That is not the godly line of Seth, like the cemeteries teach. <laughs> There's no way that you, if all you ever had was a Bible and not some preconceived notion of some seminary brainwashing you, would you ever come to the conclusion that that was the godly line of Seth? <laughs> Mating with the wicked daughters of Cain. It's just, it is so asinine, the whole thing, to even... You would never come to that conclusion on your own, ever. If you just had a Bible and were reading it, it's real obvious. If you compare scripture to scripture, uh, then we go to uh, Job. Okay, so Job 1.6, I just said that. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And then another one in Job 2.1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came again, essentially. And then Job 38.7, when the morning stars sang together. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Okay. Um, then, so we have, I believe, five instances in the Old Testament where the exact term sons of God always referred to good angels. Now, in Genesis 6, they were good angels up until the time when they fell, and then they, they would not be referred to as sons of God anymore. Uh, anyway, I just want to clarify that. So, um, let's go back here. Okay, so let's go back to, to Revelation 12, 7. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their, their place found any more in heaven. Now, we just saw in Job where he had access to heaven. He had access to heaven before that, before Job, and after that, up until this exact point in Revelation 12, 8, when he was cast out. He had access to heaven. 
Hmm, he did. Yeah. Does that have anything to do with that one verse I just read, 1 Timothy 3, 6? It says, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Where does the devil condemn us at? He condemns us before God in heaven. He's still got access because we're not in the tribulation yet. Despite what some people might try to convince you of. Verse 9, Revelation 12. And the great dragon was cast out. And that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. So his fallen angels were too. They had access as well. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Oh, he accuses us. Yeah. Before God. Which accused them before our God day and night. This is why when you look at 1 Timothy 3.6, it says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Pride is one of the things, and probably one of the worst things, the devil could bring before God and accuse you of. And if he presents his case and he is right, well, it's not good. I understand the Bible also says, Jesus Christ maketh intercession for us day and night. I, I, yeah, I, I understand that. But the problem is, is that if we're operating in pride and that's just one thing i'm talking about here one of the worst because it, bl it blinds you and you don't think you have a problem you you people that are caught up in pride the reason it's so deadly is because somebody that's operating in pride doesn't think they have a problem they're not able to identify that they're they're even sinning because it blinds you blinded satan first sin of the bible essentially because of his beauty because of his merchandise the bible said he was lifted up and then he said, I will ascend on the most high. I will be like God, essentially. So, um, it's a it's one of the worst, worst sins because you don't think you have a problem <laughs> at all. And you end up falling into condemnation of the devil because the devil's accusing us before the throne or before God day and night, it says. It's just something that I just something interesting I thought was this whole subject of pride um talking about Trump I don't know just that was a verse that came into my head anyway Proverbs 15:33 the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility so now we're talking about the opposite of pride which is humility and fear of the Lord that's why I hear me talk so much about it Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. Thinking about Trump, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that could fall into that. And before honor is humility. Before true honor. Not, 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 not that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Because you can say, yo, what about all, look, Trump's been honored and all. Yeah, that's highly esteemed among men. That's an abomination in the sight of God. The kind of honor you want is the kind that God gives. And you might not even realize that true honor until you stand before him, you know, in heaven. But he can, he can, he can do that on earth as well. But that's the kind of honor you want to seek. You don't want to seek man's honor. You don't want to seek this highly esteemed among men stuff. Proverbs 22, 4, by humility and fear of the Lord, which are totally connected, are riches and 
and honor and life. So there are people that can be rich and can be totally blessed of God, 100%, but they've done it by humility and fear of the Lord. They didn't do it because they were greedy. and because, Now that's the normal path. But all I'm saying is that somebody could be blessed if they're in the right mind and headspace and in the right standing with God and they're operating by humility and fear of the Lord. Yes, you, you, God can give you riches and honor in life. And particularly because I, I zero in on riches there because that's most likely associated with, oh, well, you know, that's rich guy and, and you, you got the rich man in Lazarus and all these warnings about becoming rich. Okay, but but again, there is a biblical way that that um, can happen, biblically, and it and it can be, and you can use those riches for good. See, I've said this many times. Just call it, I don't know, riches. Just call it riches. Will take on the personality of the possessor. The love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money; it says the love of money. So. It depends where your heart is. If your heart is with your treasure and if your heart is set on riches, you're not going to please God. That is not where you want to be. But God can bless a person who's operating in fear, humility and fear of the Lord and, and uh, as a saved Christian. He can bless them with riches and honor in life. And they can take those riches and use it for righteous things for the kingdom in a righteous manner. And in that re regard, the riches take on the personality of the possessor. A rich person like Trump is going to use his money for evil, which reflects the personality of the possessor, which is that greedy devil Trump in this particular case. Can you imagine doing the stuff like he the stuff he did that I mentioned in his campaign? He's probably still doing it. People are probably still, you know, he's just still raking in the money, still giving speeches and stuff, and whole right-left paradigm. Oh, we're gonna beat Biden and 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 whatever we're going to get back the whatever anyway um then there's this report which i thought was really now this is man this information i'm going to be covering now i added a lot of scripture to this he, there was a lot of scripture he kind of left out that i thought would strengthen this not anything against the author i just was like okay again scripture's kind of pouring into my head as I was reading this. And I'll start out by, the, the title of this is, There's Something Awesome About the Name of Jesus You're Going to Need to Know, plus a Bible study. Now, I, I added these scriptures at the beginning and to, to kind of set the tone. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. Um, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. 2, 5 through verse 11. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And again, what is that? That's humility. So he was our example. He made himself of no reputation. The Bible says the son of man have nowhere to even lay his head. You know, the Bible talks a lot about his humility and he was lowly and just, you know, he was setting that example for us. He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself upon him the form of a servant jesus said let those that are greatest among you let them be your servant let him be your servant 
he that will be first will be last. A lot of people that are first here, as let's say as a Christian, maybe they sought preeminence. I'm not saying they're not saved, but they are a, a lot of times what the Bible, I think, strongly indicates is that they are going to be last in heaven. You know, it's, it's stated there in the Gospels. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery would be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And he being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So this talks a lot about his humility. He had the power, he said, to call down all these angels and stop the whole crucifixion process anytime he wanted. You know, they're over here beating on him and humiliating him and spitting on him and, and, and doing like, he had the power to make it like, all oh, stop. Like in an instant, but he didn't. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath, all, hath, hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now that's, I said that because I wanted to really set the tone for this report. His name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. <laughs> Remember we just talked about Satan walking to and fro in the earth, up and down it and in it and yeah, stuff going on under her feet. Uh, that, and that, again, that fall... Fall brother, F-A-U-L-L, -L, their inner earth thing, the Fall Brothers, um, they did a really cool, uh, you can go rent it online, just do a keyword search and you can go rent it, um, I think on Vimeo. Last verse, verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so this report starts out by saying the name of Jesus is our last line of defense against human and ultimately spiritual violence. It is not merely reciting the name that is powerful, but rather it is the authority that is behind the name and our position within it that makes the difference. We proclaim the name of Jesus. When we proclaim the name of Jesus, we are letting both heaven and earth know that we are joint heirs with Christ and are declaring our family name. Now, remember, this has to be done in faith as a born again Christian. I think that's the, the key. Um, I guess maybe there is a time where maybe if you weren't saved and, you know, you cried out to Jesus to save you or to, or to protect you. I'm not saying Jesus couldn't protect you, but would that be from a position of faith? Uh, I don't know if you're not saved. Um, that, that's not for me to really debate, you know, um, but it's the ultimate power, this name. I can attest to it. Key Supernatural in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. Key in that. Key in my supernatural experiences, my testimonies. And those are just my testimonies up to that point. I've done other teachings of all these witches that have tried to kill us and astral project into here. Jasmine being one of them, the black-eyed witch. You know. They found out the power of the name of Jesus Christ. All those witches. 
<laughs> I don't think there's anything that gets me more fired up than that. Um, <laughs> I would have been long gone, guys. Dead, dead in a bag of hammers. Long time ago. If it wasn't for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the prayers of my listeners. You know, I want to give credit but it's the it's jesus it's it's that's the that's the true power that's the true power so going back to this when we proclaim the name of jesus we are letting both heaven and earth know that we are joint heirs with christ and we are declaring our family name in such an environment of grace we have the authority to command spiritual violence and murder to cease in its advance against us and i was really when i read this i'm like i really needed to read this I, I i because it's good to reaffirm these things uh presently in the world there are sources of violent contention brewing and ready to pounce so in the days ahead you can expect that there will be opportunities to stand in christ and oppose various forms of attack i say stand rather than advance and i'm going to tell you why it says to stand later i mean it, it does say stand uh rather than advance simply because we need to trust that God is on our side. Now, and again, too, this is why I think it's very important that if you're going to go engage evil, make sure you're called to do it. Don't run ahead of God and make sure you're called. And if you're not sure, I would pray and fast about it. And a lot of times you should be praying and fasting before you go into a battle like that anyway. It's always, typically you can't go wrong. I mean, Henry Groover, when he, when he, would go to these things he would always pray and fast about stuff like this um so let's see here and i have always i've tried to do that as well now sometimes you don't have that opportunity sometimes it's just thrust upon you and and you know you have to engage and you know but god god knows these things he says um he goes on to say i say stand rather than advance because we need to trust that God is on our side so we really don't need to pick a fight. In fact, I believe that we should avoid confrontation whenever possible. And then I added in these Bible verses where it would kind of affirm that, that we're trying to avoid conflict. I mean, we're not going out there trying to pick a fight, in other words, you know. Romans 12, 7, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of men. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Okay, so as much as you can, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Okay, and I'm not saying that's always easy, but that's what the Bible says to do. Going back to this report, let me give you an example of how God is capable of winning battles without lifting a finger. A few years back, I was meeting a friend of mine who was having some work done on his house. For the project, he had hired a man with whom he had had previous business connections. Yet on this day, the two had a disagreement, and the hired man started to become quite aggressive, even to the, even to the point of becoming violent. Before the confrontation became ugly, the Holy Spirit prompted me to bind the spirit of violence that was on the man's life. I didn't bind the man, I bound the spirit. I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind the violent spirit that is at work in this man. And we have that power according to what Jesus Christ said in the Gospels. We have that power. Now, I was about 30 feet from this encounter. And I had whispered my command. But 
immediately the hired man turned to me. Even though the conflict wasn't with him, he turned to me, obviously shaken, and said, wait a minute, we don't have a problem with you. Our fight is with my boss, is with the boss. Our fight, hmm, we. Why wouldn't he use singular? Why wouldn't he say, I don't have a problem with you? Because he was fighting with one other guy. And he obviously wasn't in alignment with the other guy. We, meaning there's other factors at play here. Then he says, our fight is not with my boss. Hmm, meaning it was he was acknowledging the devils that were operating through him. As we and are, <laughs> that's what he was saying. Uh, my reply was, that doesn't matter. You are now bound from being violent. In short order, the confrontation was over. Um, and trust me, I, I, I need this lesson as much as anybody. Okay. Because my dad, I grew up in an extremely violent environment. I'm telling you, few of you have seen violent rage like my dad could generate. He was a scary dude when he got mad. I mean, I'm talking high-level rage devil demons that would get your attention. Never saw the man lose a fight. He used to tell me when he was in high school, he said, if I didn't get at least one fight a week, it was a bad week. Well, high school and after, until he met my mom, who he really credited with, you know, he was, he was, he was on his way to prison. He beat a guy so badly at a gas station one time that um, he got thrown in jail for like a month. He almost, he broke every bone in the guy's face, basically. And the guy, the guy provoked it. I don't, you know, I don't know how much my dad picked fights, but he was also, because of all the fights he was in, and probably because of all the fights he did pick at one, trouble just followed my dad. You ever, you ever been around somebody like that? They just Trouble just follows them. And they're usually people that, from what I've noticed, they're people that have a real axe to grind with God. He, my, my dad was like really messed up over my God. It would have been my great-grandma. She was like a Seventh-day Adventist. And evidently, like, the sweetest, most nicest person you would ever basically meet. I, it's horrible she was in that death cult. But, I mean, evidently. I, I never heard a negative word about her from anybody. I, I don't... She was... I think she was gone before I was born. And evidently... She had this horrible accident in her house where they had these things called registers. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of homes that still have them, older houses. And it's the heat comes up from the floor. And she was by herself, I guess, and got fell down between the couch, the back of the couch and the wall and got pinned in her poor baby. Her private parts were over this register. And I guess the hot, the heat coming out was like really hot because I mean, it wasn't like probably today where like the heat's more regulated. It's like a furnace and burned her like alive. And my dad always said, you know, 
why would if God was good and all this stuff, why would he let that happen to such a sweet and I, I don't have all the answers. I, I don't. I don't have all the answers. But that was his justification of his gigantic axe he had to grind with God his whole life. Um you've probably known people like that. I, I wasn't anybody to judge him. I mean I, I I couldn't have put myself in his shoes or anything. And in up until the time when I was a Christian, I, I, you know, I didn't really have, I mean, I was like, well, who am I to really judge? And I didn't judge him after either. And it took my dad and my mom basically, basically losing their life. And if you want to hear more about that, Kian, just the word passing in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com on my mom passing away, my dad, within about a year or year and a half of one another, they both passed away and they both, God had to take their lives in order for them to get saved. I led them both to the Lord, basically right before they died. My dad more so. My mom, she died, I don't know, probably a week or two later. But I'd always pray to say, God, whatever it takes to get them saved, no matter what it takes, they're very, very secular-minded, very, very worldly, very, very about putting on airs and appearances and all that stuff. And, and um, you know, my, my dad was, yeah, he was could be extremely violent uh, <laughs> on a level that I, I can't even describe, guys, really. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he didn't kill me. I mean, I, there, was, there was many times that I was very close to death. When he would smother me, um, beat me and smother me and hold me down, with pillows over my head and stuff, and you know that was tear on a level that I, I hope that none of you have ever went through. But let me tell you, that'll that'll get your attention real quick. Um, but this would have been—I wish I would have known this a long time ago. You know, if like I, if I was a Christian when I was with my parents or whatever, and. I never really used this, what they're describing here with my dad. Um, again, we, you learn and you learn and, and you progress as a Christian. So um, going back to this report, um, he said to him at the end, he says, that doesn't matter. You are now bound from being violent. And in short order, the confrontation was over. Um closest I ever saw this with my dad was one time I got into it with him was in his kitchen and we got into it over something something biblical because they had a really big problem with me being a Christian and um because I was so different I mean I was just went from party animal to like, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm not saying I was perfect either by any stretch, but I was very different. And we got into it over something and he said, he was like really like violent and he said, you hate me or something. And I said, no, I don't, dad. I said, I love you. And at that moment, and I rarely said that to my dad. It was just very hard with my parents. I just there was always something I could never really truly bond with really either of my parents. And um I just saw all the anger 
instantly drain out of him. All that rage was gone. That's the closest I've ever seen to this dynamic taking place with my dad personally one-on-one. And that, that it was over. The The argument was was over. It just drained. It just defeated. Now, so that's another weapon is it doesn't have to be necessarily I bind up. Because in that particular instance, I think if I would have said I bind the <laughs> to its face, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying God couldn't do it. I just think it was more effective to tell him I loved him Um, in that particular instance. So the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. So it says weapons. It just There's just not one, I think, you know. So anyway, for what it's worth, I, I'll throw that in too. Um, the key to dealing with any confrontation is to recognize that we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, which is the hardest part. You know, because I was brought up this way. I was brought up to, oh, you you want to you want to do this? I was in a, I was in a lot of fizz fights growing up. I mean, a lot of violent things. I mean, I have my dad as an example. I almost felt like you know, more that I have a lot to live up to here. I never got in as many fights as my dad, though. I, I, um, I'm not saying I was anywhere near as tough as my dad either in that regard. Um, but it's just far as, you know, wanting to actually engage in, in being really good at fighting. I was, I was, I'm not saying I was on, ever on my dad's level by any stretch, but, um, the key to dealing with any confrontation is to recognize that we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. And that's the, that's the hardest part because it's so easy for a lot of people, myself included, to want to instantly get into the flesh. You know, we're dealing with powers that have gained position, power, and control over people. In this case, both men had a familiarity. He's going back to the confrontation. In this case, both men had a familiarity with a violent spirit and each took their respective roles. One was prone to delivering violence and the other was prone to receiving it. Yeah. That's it's a really interesting way of looking at it, you know, like with my dad, I was prone. I mean, my dad was prone to delivering it to everyone around him. And the ones that were around him were prone to receiving it. So we were like in subjection and their spirits associated with that as well, I would imagine. The open door set the stage for potentially a destructive encounter. Now, Bible verses came to mind here for me and again ephesians 6 10 through um 13 finally my brethren be strong in the lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of god that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil so that's why you put the whole whole armor of god on and again this should be something we're doing every day you know something like you know Lord's Prayer type of thing where you're, I don't say you got to pray exactly Lord's Prayer, but some type of pray in this way, get right with the Lord, in other words, and put on the whole armor of God every day. I pray Psalm 64 pretty much every day as well. I just, you know, if you don't understand that concept, key in Psalm 64 in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, it'll change your life. doesn't have to necessarily be Psalm 64, but the whole concept of imprecatory prayers is something that's not taught in the churches that I've ever really heard. Well, I heard it I heard it in the Baptist a couple times, Pastor Weaver. And it totally confirmed 
I just been through like the worst, darkest year of my life. And it totally confirmed exactly what God had shown me coming out of that year to a T to the exact same Psalm. And I got all other kind of confirmation. I, I, I tell you the whole story in the, in the, in that teaching. And then it goes on to say, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So when you think you're dealing with flesh and blood, you're actually not. The, uh, at least the true source of what is emanating and operating through them. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to, uh, you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having all done all to stand. Okay, so that's very important. Let me give you another example. I was getting out of my car the other day to go into a store when a large dog in another vehicle started to bark at me. In frustration, I yelled at the dog to shut up. Just about the same time, the owner of the dog was coming out of the store and he took offense at me yelling at his dog. With an angry and violent attitude, he proclaimed, proceeded to intimidate me by getting in my face. In that moment, I thought I was about to get hit by a man half my age and then the Holy Spirit prompted me to bind the spirit that was so violent in this man. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. Within seconds, the man went passive, backed off, and in protest, lightly brushed against me as he left the confrontation. I mean, this is really rubber meets the road stuff. This is like super important, useful, biblical information here. <laughs> you know? And it is biblical. Because we have this power. It's just so easy to either get into maybe fright mode or the flesh mode. Well, which is the, the flesh is fright. but Or anger. You know, to match the anger type thing. Well, I'm, again, I'm not saying I'm I'm innocent here because I'm not. Uh, this is as much for me as anyone. So now keep in mind that sometimes we draw to ourselves trouble. This should prompt, again, like my dad. Great example. Um, there's a friend I know up here named James. Good guy, but... You know, when I talked to him, he says, Scott, he said, I've come to the conclusion that Jesus hates me. And I mean, and he says it in like a sarcastic tone. And I was, oh, I said, James, don't say that. I said, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He loves you. And, but he's had such a life where this stuff just follows him around. It, and it's almost in a lot of times, it's almost comical for some people. It's, it's, I mean, it's not comical, but it's almost comical. Just all the stuff that constantly happens to these people. Um, with my dad, it wasn't so much comical. His his stuff was like, like really violent stuff. With James, it's not, a lot of times it's not quite that hardcore. So it tends to be a little more on the lighter side, but it is, it is funny how there are people that just seems like this stuff just follows them around. And you know, you reap what you sow and, and, and your past dictates a lot of that. And I, I think these people tend to be the ones that have the biggest axe to grind with God. From my observations, my dad had a huge axe. James has a big axe. You can just tell. You just know. Certain people do. And they think, it's almost like they think when they stand before God, they're going to give God a piece of their mind. You ever hear it? That's how my, you know, my impression I got from my dad, James, other people I've met like that. So, 
it, I'll repeat the last sentence. Now, keep in mind that sometimes we draw to ourselves trouble. This should prompt us to ask what spiritual signs declare us as open for business. That's <laughs> true. When we invite a spiritual unity with the flesh, the world, and the devil, we are bound to encourage confrontations with demonically controlled people. Yes. Yeah. Remember, it's not about flesh and blood. This can also be a result of generational spiritual issues. Absolutely. Under such conditions, it can make us a very easy target for the same abuse that once plagued past family members, like a generational curse. True. Uh, though there are all sorts of good and evil dynamics that can be explored here, deciphering potential issues of violence is probably a good place to start. Okay, so now before I go any further, before I forget here, I got convicted about I need to post this. Now, I've posted this many times, this little uh, thing here, and it's, it's called How to Pass from Curse to Blessing and Self-Deliverance. And it's four points um, that you can do that I would highly advise you do. And um, it's one, two, three, four. And it is stuff I've covered in the past. And it's regarding kind of basically prayers and self-deliverance and other ways you can take it further. I would start with this. And I think every Christian should do this. Okay, that's my opinion. Now, some wouldn't agree with me, but I know I am a better person the more I do this type of stuff, and I still, I do it all. I just did it this week. I did self-deliverance stuff this week. The more I do this stuff, the better I feel. And I mean, not like, I actually do feel physically better the more I do it. Uh, but it's also, you just, certain things that you were battling, um, maybe like anger, maybe like whatever. All of a sudden, things that might have got you upset or angry or whatever, they're not bothering you or maybe they're bothering you half as much or a fraction i'm telling you guys it makes a difference jesus spent like one third of his ministry doing deliverance and i don't believe that when you get saved all those demons just go by but i'm not saying it can't be the case but i i mean i know i had so much world and secular stuff in me and i had never been brought up in a christian environment. i didn't learn much about christianity from the Catholic high school and the Lutheran middle school. It, none of it really took for me. I didn't learn about salvation. It was superfluous, kind of brokering religion, little dabble, do you, as they say in the old uh, Baptist church there. They'd also say, I might be a nut, but I'm screwed onto the right bolt. I always love that one. Anyway, if that'll get you fired up, your wood's wet. That's enough to make a Presbyterian run the aisles. After a road, they sang a really good gospel song. I love that. Anyway. Um, stuff like that. But this is one of the most important things I think that we can do once we get saved. I wouldn't try doing it if you're say if you're not saved, because it's not gonna work really. It's their demons will just come back. Like the Bible, Jesus talked about that in the gospels. So you wouldn't want to do this if you weren't saved. Okay. And if you don't know about salvation, go to contendingfortruth.com and key on to the true salvation tab and I've got a very extensive thing that I believe thoroughly walks you through uh, that subject. I try to be very thorough. Um, but it's all right here. I'm going to post it right after this report. I'm not going to recover all this again, but um, it's how to pass from curse to blessing and self-deliverance.
And keep my, my advice um, with the win whirly one is I would go again. I, and I say this, go through this as many times as necessary until um, you're not manifesting any more signs. And we kind of get into that here a little bit in, into the thing there. You'll understand better. But um, it's huge. It's absolutely huge doing this. So let's go back to this. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I'm starting to run out of time here. Okay, so going back to the last thing I said, this can be the result of generational spiritual issues, meaning you can you can just be attracting this negative or these confrontations and these just, it seems like you've got, you know, bad luck. You know, I hate that term luck, like Luciferian luck or whatever, but just bad just follows you, you know? Well, it could be generational. It could be just spirits you were literally born with, generational curses, things of this nature. Under such circumstances, it can make us an easy target for the same abuse that once plagued past family members. Uh, though there are all sorts of good and evil dynamics that can be explored here, deciphering potential issues of violence is probably a good place to start. If one has become familiar with a violent atmosphere while growing up, <laughs> been there, done that, then there are some old contracts that can be broken. But start by, and I, I say see below here, meaning I would just start with my four-part little deliverance thing there and go with that. Uh, that to me is the safest thing you can do because the problem with deliverance ministers is it is a real dice shoot. And a lot of the deliverance ministers are, from my experience, they're really super charismatic and they're full of devils and demons themselves and they're totally off in left field chasing fly balls. So I would be praying and fasting if, you, if you're considering on going to one, really make sure that you're you're led of the Lord to do it. Because that by itself can be a, a very a really uh, dicey proposition. Okay, so going forward here. Um, there's some old contracts that can be broken, but start by considering where your life has suffered a connection with different types of violence, like physical violence, verbal violence, sexual violence, social violence, religious violence, medical violence. Medical violence can be the result of having gone through radical surgery. Though we are usually under anesthesia during surgery, this is still a form of personal trauma to the body, soul, and spirit of a person, which makes us vulnerable to human and spiritual dominance. I'll tell you what, having that wisdom tooth I got out in May, that was that was seriously traumatic. I never had a tooth pulled. I never had a, I didn't have a, he said it was, the impacted tooth was, and I'll be honest, guys, if I could have done it over, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. I wasn't having pain there. I should have just left it alone, you know? I really do. You know, he can say, he can point to an x-ray and say, oh, well, it's impacting the other tooth and you're developing a cavity. I didn't have pain. I'd been, I'm 53. I didn't have any problems with it. I thought the tooth was bad because it was gray. Both my back two wisdom teeth were gray. You know why? He told me the consultation. I, I wanted to say this in, in an audio because I, I, I want to tell my patient or my listeners when I, I think I'm wrong about stuff. And... He said, oh, he said, the reason that those are gray, he, he asked me, he said, um, I thought they were gray because they were just like bad, like they were going bad. They look bad. 
And he says, oh, did you have tetracycline for, did you take tetracycline for acne when you were young? And I said, yeah, I, I probably several cycles. He says, oh, that's why they're gray. The tetracycline turn, if it's coming in like a wisdom tooth, it'll turn it gray. I guess it can do it to other teeth too. If they're coming in particularly, you're vulnerable. And the tooth looks gray, but it's fine. That's what happened. I should have said, thank you very much, Mr. Dentist. Here's your, here's your money. Thank you for the thank you for the X-ray and the and the excellent consult. I'm not gonna I'm gonna just sit on this and, and until you know it starts to become a problem. That's what I should have done. I didn't. I kind of let him talk me into thinking, oh, it was impacted and all this other stuff. Yeah, it was slightly impacted. Eh, whether it was really causing a cavity in their tooth, yeah. That's debatable on x-ray. Because I, I I was a specialist in x-rays. I can look at x-rays. I was what they call a green coat in chiropractic college. And I I, I was even considering becoming what they call a DAC bar, which is a chiropractor that specializes in x-ray. One of my one of my big claim to fames in chiropractic college, and this is I guess this is bragging, but I I don't know, it's like 13th quarter, there's 14 quarters, and there's this big, big, big x-ray test that they take and it's the thing that is make or break for a lot of people graduating at least the chiropractic college i was in life in marietta georgia and um it's really really hard um and it's a lot of uh, you're actually looking at x-rays they're real x-rays on a thing and you're you're having to go around with i believe on a clipboard and you're putting your answers and i I guess I did so good on it, I set the curve. And it was like 100 and, I don't know, 40, 50, I don't know, maybe 200 people. I don't know. So many people were taking it because so many people had failed at the quarter before they had to retake it or whatever. So I, I guess I set, they said I set the curve on it, meaning I got the highest grade out of, I don't know, all those people. I, I didn't graduate with like a 3.8 or anything. I was, I, I could have, but I was more into wanting to really party really, really hard on the weekends and bodybuild and train and do that type of stuff. Um, I wasn't totally devoted to schooling like I should have been, but that was like my one kind of claim to fame. Anyway, I, that's bragging, but sorry. Um, true story. I mean, as far as I remember it, um, Anyway, so I said that because I'm like, I know what I'm looking at on an x-ray and I really didn't see a ton of evidence. There was a huge problem with the adjacent tooth. I should have just walked away and been thankful and been thankful to him and God that he showed me the teeth aren't bad, which is the reason I went in there. I'm like, I don't want a rotten tooth in my head. That can produce all kinds of problems. That's why root canals are so bad because they're, they're leaving a dead tooth in your mouth, which can create all kinds of other problems. Implants are, are, are bad, root canals are horrible, but this is how they make their money. So when I did get the, the tooth out, it was, a, it was a horrific experience for me because I do believe I was out of God's will getting it done. And I've been paying the price ever since. He told me, and I'm, gonna, and I'm telling every, all you guys for this reason as well, and I gotta make this short because I'm running out of time for this part, but what can happen when you do get a wisdom tooth out, especially if you're if you're older, is see the other teeth are like sitting in there and they're all buddies and, and they're kind of pressing against one another when you sleep and things of this nature. And I, I guess I'm I'm a grinder 
it's called bruxism or whatever. And there's evidence of that on my teeth. And um, they get used to the positions they're in adjacent to one another. Well, if you start pulling things out and it starts shifting that around, and with wisdom teeth, what it can cause is supra eruption, meaning I took the one tooth out in the right back, the one I probably shouldn't have got out that was slightly impacted. And as a result, he says it can happen. The tooth that's opposite, the wisdom tooth that's opposite, it doesn't have anything to press on anymore. It'll start to actually come out. And that's what started to happen. And I've had pain in that tooth ever since. And it's always, and I've had, you know, when you get a wisdom tooth out because it's in the back, there's a lot of nerves back there. They can hurt the nerves. Some people actually get partial paralysis. Some people get um, all kind of nerve pain. I've had a certain amount of that. I've had just all this transient tooth pain I never, ever had before. So I'm, and the, the older I get, the more I'm like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. That's, I've adopted more of that attitude just in life. Just understand not everything's going to be perfect. But if God's getting you along and things are, and things are running okay and they're going smoothly and maybe it's not what you think ideal is. Think twice before you make some big radical change and don't make, don't make choices out of fear. And I think I made that choice kind of more out of fear. Like, oh, it's impacted. It's going to cause a cavity. I'm 53. I've never had a tooth pulled. I've never had a cavity. I'm doing okay up to this point. I really didn't need to get the thing out. So I've been meaning to say that, like that little testimony. I just wanted to kind of give you that as a life lesson. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's no time when you shouldn't get wisdom teeth out either. I'm sure there is, but I don't think in my case there was. So anyway, um, this whole medical violence thing, I just went through it because it was stinking horrific. <laughs> Having that tooth out, okay? I, my teeth are like, I do all kind of extra joint supplementation and calcium and manganese and make my teeth i mean it was hard for him to get that tooth out it was i could tell he was just and this guy's an oral surgeon one of the top rated in the area christian and um it was stressful for him it was stressful much more for me though my recovery took way longer than it should and i still i'm, I'm still dealing with stuff so Though we are usually under anesthesia during surgery, this is still a form of personal trauma to the body, soul, and spirit of a person, which makes us vulnerable. Especially if you're awake, <laughs> uh, human. Because I was, I didn't, I didn't opt for the anesthesia. I'm like, ah, yeah, go in there and get her done, you know. <laughs> I'm like, now I understand why people are so afraid of dentists. <laughs> I totally get it now. I will never judge you ever again for people that are afraid of the dentist. God bless you all. <laughs> Because I so get it now. Man, do I get it. Um, then, and I tell you, I've gotten more emails from listeners over teeth issues. And I got a, I've got a gigantic file on what to do to heal the teeth. I've covered it before. I keep adding to it. I keep improving it. It's as good as anything I know of out there. I'm on my full teeth protocol. You know. Um, but... I, I just think, I think I'm, I think because I ran ahead of God, I think that I'm, I'm having to deal with the stuff that's went on in my mouth. It's get, getting better. I feel like it's, it's, it's doing better and, and this type of stuff. Um, but you still reap what you sow. Um, so this goes on to say, 
however, uh, on a more in-your-face type of medical violence, we are currently seeing the medical establishment pushing for vaccines that remain experimental in nature. Hence, when they push a vaccine upon us and it's against our will, they're imposing a violent outcome upon us. Yeah, they are especially with these covid kill shots and then the, and then the, the the javelin up the nose the 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 fake devil pcr tests where they're you know perforating a cribriform plate which is direct access into the brain and implanting nanotech and and hydrogel and only god knows what else into our cribriform plate one of the most delicate spots that you could possibly have in the body doing it over and over again it's evil it's wicked the force mask wearing there's all kind of garbage in the mask they become breeding grounds of very bacteria you're supposedly trying to prevent and all this other stuff i know understand that a lot of this isn't being implemented right now but the fact that they foisted it on humanity is just beyond criminal so at times like this the believer has the authority to deal with them in the name of jesus yeah so think about using these concepts when you're under these types of things where they're pressuring you to undergo medical violence or physical or verbal violence or sexual violence or social violence or religious violence here are a couple more sources of violence gearing up to control of your life through the military and the police they're often honored and embraced as gallant defenders of peace their job description and training is far from it now i don't want to again i don't want to throw all like military and police under the bus because i know there's a lot of good military and police that you know wouldn't do the wrong thing hopefully you know but i i just i don't i'm, I'm reluctant to throw any demographic totally under i mean i don't want to do that i just don't think that's fair um the nature of their job is one that requires a control means of violence to put down another violent force. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to use violence against them, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, but so bear in mind, there's kind of two sides on that coin. Anyone that has grown up in a family where civil service has been part of their lifestyle has not escaped the impact of these forms of violence. In any case, this may cause us to be on the receiving end of either police or military brutality simply because we have been conditioned to accept its right of its own its own of us see my my my, <laughs> my confrontations with like the police i'll be honest there's this thing i learned a long time ago and i've really rarely ever heard it and it was in like this catholic retreat i was at when i was in like charismatic movement and they talked about this concept called provenient grace and that it's the grace that god extends to us prior to us getting saved it, and it wasn't they preached salvation there, but it was it was kind of commingling with Catholics. And um, I believe in that concept. I really do. Because I can see the hand of God on my life way, way prior. I should have been in jail or dead or whatever about a hundred times over before I ever got saved, is, is the point I'm trying to make here. And that had to be God's hand on my life, being merciful to me with this concept of provenient grace prior to me being saved. There's nobody that's going to talk me out of that. Um, which I, I think it's biblical. And I have had so many... Comp, um, well, I, I've had times where um, I've dealt with police. I mean, you're. I should have been in jail. <laughs> I should have been in jail 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 at one time i was going to a, a my own birthday party 
driving my mom's Trans Am. I got pulled over. I don't remember any of this happening. And I'm not saying this to glory in my shame. I'm just telling you, this is one time, I, and I have had such favor with police officers. I can't tell you how many times I should have went to jail. And every time, I they let me go. I was so drunk, I don't remember any of this happening. He pulled me over. Now, this was relayed to me by my friend's dad who came and got me, who was a big, gigantic landowner at the, well, still is in Fort Myers. I'm not going to say his last name, but. He pulled over and I, I um, evidently, and the cop relayed this to my friend's dad who ended up picking me up he said, you know, what are you doing? And, and all, and I was drunk out of my mind, just wasted, wasted. And he tried to grab the keys from my hand and I took a swing at the cop. This is what the cop told the other guy. Now I don't remember doing any of this, but this is what the cop told him. And, but I had said, I'm going to whatever in my drunk voice. And I, I'm, 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 uh, um, my friend, Jerry and I won't say his last name, but that that name carried such weight in my town that he immediately and he knew, I guess, this man, that he called him and he came down to pick me up. I mean, his dad was a wild man, but he owned a lot of, still does, as far as I know, a lot of property in Fort Myers. And um, yeah, I I I cannot tell you how many times stuff like that's happened to me and had i been in jail all this time i don't think that i would have this ministry i don't think i would be where i'm at right now i don't know how my life would have turned out i probably might you know probably would have been dead um all the times i drove drunk don't remember it i'm not saying that like that's good it's just an absolute miracle i never hurt myself or anyone else thank praise the lord jesus christ all i'm saying is that there had to have been some type of hand the hand of god on me to prevent all that happening and i'll give him all the praise and the honor and the glory i'm not glorying in these events i'm just saying it had to be god intervening had to be you know i'm giving him the credit you know so i i, I know a lot of people have had a lot of bad experiences with cops <laughs> I've had the exact opposite in my life over and over and over. You know, that's all I'm saying, you know, so. Um, so this goes on to say, in this case, this may cause us to be on the receiving end of either police or military brutality simply because we have been conditioned to accept its right to own us. Hence, if vaccines become mandatory in the New World Order, we can expect the civil servants will be on the serving agenda that remains corrupt. Now, I can't honestly, after going through COVID and after the, the, the scam of lies and everything else, I think they're going to have a very, very hard time getting our current police forces to go and do forced vaccinations door to door. I think they're going to have a very hard... Now, if they bring in their own army, if they bring in their own army from China or from some other country that hates our guts, that's another, that's another proposition. But I think, to to a certain extent, the cat's out of the bag, and that's what I why I devoted all those studies to getting the truth out about the COVID thing. I mean, 
Anyway, whatever the battle, whether it's as simple as having a quarrel with a man on the street or having a confrontation with an offensive civil servant, we have a way of escape. We have authority in Christ. We have the name of Jesus Christ on our side. Oh man, I'm about out of time. Oh boy. Um, in the days ahead, the individual Christian may not be able to depend on others as a shield against violent acts. Instead, it is time that each believer develops their own set of leadership skills. That means we each put on the armor of God and really settle in our hearts that God is for us. It is then by his authority that we can set at bay any potential enemy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, violence stops hounding us when we say it stops. If believers finally get a revelation that they are seated with Christ in heavenly realms, then evil will want to stay away from us. And that doesn't mean we're never going to go through anything, obviously, but it's just this concept that I don't believe has really been taught in the churches. I don't think I've taught it, you know. Um, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, who, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why when he said we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, that's the Bible verses which confirm that. I, I added those in. Based on a timely revelation, it is very possible that some will call off spiritually aggressive armies through the Lord Jesus Christ. But all of us have a birthright in Christ to say no to evil advances. I mean, I've said this before, guys. I mean, I, I, I can't wait for the day that I can like literally go out and engage pure evil, maybe as a full-time ministry, um, through, you know, and I mean like, non-human entities type thing i believe that's my real calling and i'm not going to do this with some big gigantic machine gun i'm going to do it through the sword of the spirit which is the word of god is not my word like as a fire saith the lord and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces when the enemy shall come in like a flood the lord will raise up a standard against him through god we shall do valiantly for he it is that shall tread down our enemies no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in condemnation, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Those are the verses. That's my weaponry. That's the sword of the Spirit, which is the only part of your armor that is actually offensive in nature. Because the, the shield of faith or, you know, the, the helmet of salvation, loins girded with truth feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's all defensive, you know. But, and I've heard this said a lot of times too in churches. You stand against it. But if you turn, you don't have armor on the backside. You don't have a shield on the backside either. So you're you're prone to being um, attacked and wounded if you don't stand against it. And the bigger your, your, your shield the more protection you have. It says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The bigger your shield is, the more protection you have. Well, how do you get a bigger shield? Well, faith. Faith cometh by hearing. It's the shield of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So memorize it, hear it, read it. You're going to increase your faith. Okay? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith... Um, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So that's a big one. But still, the shield of faith is not an offensive weapon. The only one that's offensive is the sword of the Spirit. And when Jesus dealt with Satan, he quoted scripture to him, who is our example. So that, when, when although I've been in a lot of battles, um, that is how I will be engaging in warfare. Uh, going forward, now some say, but what about all the Bibles, um, many referencing to being persecuted, shouldn't I accept persecution is just the way things are. You could, but a better response would be, Lord, may your will be done in my life. So if you find yourself staring death in the face uh, and some man wants to steal away your dignity and your right to life, I think it's a good time to introduce them to the authority that you have in Jesus. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, I thought that that was super important. And then again, I, I put here, I just added this in, how to pass from curse to blessing and self-deliverance, I would highly advise. Okay, perfect. This is going to segue nicely into the next because we're going to totally switch gears for part two. So God bless you and we will see you in part two.